I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Italian fact, Italy is Europe's fourth largest economy, and now they've joined the United States, Great Britain, and France um, in uh, saying, you know what? The old parties that have been running everything forever, screw it. Let's try something completely different. For some reason, I'm not exactly sure why we're all doing this, but we're all doing it. Right, exactly what it means and where it might be headed is uh, anybody's guess, but no better uh, person to ask than Michael Birnbaum, who does a lot of reporting for the Washington Post in Europe. He's their Brussels bureau chief, and as I understand it, is reporting from Rome this morning. Mr. Birnbaum, how are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, Thanks so much for having me, Jack and Joe. Uh, It's our pleasure. So uh, is it safe to say this seems to be part of the same tide that brought us Donald J. Trump and Brexit. Well, there is definitely an anti-establishment wave here. The old parties really were just trounced yesterday evening uh, in the Italian elections. The center-left, which has been ruling Italy for the last five years, uh, I mean, just collapsed, uh, collapsed in half from a couple of years back. And the center-right, uh, the Silvio Berlusconi center-right party, had hoped to ride the, this election uh, into the prime minister's office, but but they lost out to uh, a much further right party that's um, uh, super anti-migrant and, uh, again, very anti-establishment. 
I understand the Outsider five-star movement did well. Is that based on their Amazon.com reviews or what? What's the five-star movement? Well, the five-star movement is a uh, nine-year-old political party. It was founded by a caustic comedian named Beppe Grillo. And um, he just said that the old political parties in Italy weren't serving the citizens, that they were out of touch with voters, they were in it really for their own enrichment. And they have this um, interesting system where their leadership consults with party membership on basically every single decision on an online platform. They say they are a sort of postmodern party that that just issues conventional center-left, center-right labels, and they did really well. They did nearly as well as the two uh, traditional parties combined in this election. You know, I, I read about this stuff for a living, and I'm super into it. It's it's interesting in all these different countries, like the, the child leader of France now, that, that, you know, he didn't come from one of the major parties. And, and it's always people are, don't feel like their governments are responding to them. I'm not exactly, I'm not positive what that means or where this is going. Do you have any sense of that? Well, you know, I was talking to a lot of voters yesterday, and as they went to drop their ballots in the boxes, they were saying that they just did not see attractive faces among the old traditional parties, that they didn't feel connected. They didn't feel as though their politicians were responsive to their needs. And in Italy, there really has been a problem. There have been two big problems. One is the economy. It didn't recover very well from the financial crisis that started in 2008. Unemployment is still really high. Uh, Living standards here are not different from where they were in 1999. And uh, then in Italy, there's also been a really big migration crisis where uh, more than 600,000 migrants have come into the country uh, sailing across the Mediterranean from Libya over the last five years. And there are a lot of people who just feel as though that kind of uncontrolled migration was not a good thing. Um, not uh, not a, a they didn't feel positively served by their leaders. They wanted it, there to be more control. And so they were also very concerned about that. And that added up just to basically a rejection of the traditional parties and the search for something new here. Which reminds me of the situation with Angela Merkel in Germany, which was a country I left off of the list of uh, you know the places where great change was taking place. Similar issues there. Similar result there. Uh, well, where it all leads, again, is a bit of a mystery, but um, it seems to be leading somewhere. Uh, hey, one one more note, at least from me, Michael Birnbaum of the Washington Post. Uh, I, you know, I've followed uh, Silvio Berlusconi's career from afar, not really gotten into it. I know the Bunga Bunga parties, and there, yes. there's a bribery scandal. I'd like or, to attend a Bunga Bunga party. Once before you die, yeah, I think we all would. Um but I heard somebody mention the other day why he remains so popular in Italian politics. I guess he's just a kind of a charming, rakish old guy. <laughs> well, he's a charming, heavily plastic surgery old guy. Um, <laughs> he He's pretty good at television. Doesn't he and own all the media outlets? Man, yeah, well, he owns 
a, a whole bunch of TV stations, and that's where he made his money. He's uh, he's a consummate showman. He's kind of like you know the Donald Trump of Italy long before there was a Donald Trump in politics, and he's not a fantastic campaigner. But he is really good on TV, and I've seen him speak on talk shows. He just lights up the screen, and he does charm people. But it wasn't enough this time around. You know, his party collapsed. His career is probably finally coming to a close, um, and what bunga bunga parties couldn't end... Italian voters finally have done. <laughs> Michael Birnbaum, you know, we really need to let you drop the mic on that uh, one, That Michael. was pretty good, yeah. Well, well done, and really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for uh, the time. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, Take our care. pleasure. Michael Birnbaum of the Washington Post. Live from Rome, I can only assume he's in the shadow of the Colosseum. I can only assume he's doing as the Romans do. Because <laughs> that's who I would be if I... you got to be in the shadow of the Colosseum if you're going to be live from Rome. I... Or in the middle of it. Wearing a leather loincloth and sandals. <laughs> or whatever. Waiting for a line to come up out of the floor. And frankly, hoping it doesn't. Uh, Someday so, they're going to run out of lines. I hope it's today. So is there a theme with all these Western democracies who say, screw the parties that have been in control for the last 20 or in some cases 150 years? Yeah. And uh, is there a theme? Are they all unique situations? Immigration seems to be a common theme among a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. In Europe, that's a hell of a crisis. And anybody who immediately pivots to, and the ultra-right-wing fascist racist parties have gained, well, yeah, they have gained. It's because if you import another country into your country and fundamentally change your country, it freaks people out. Rightfully so. And that doesn't make them bad people. They're Mm -hmm. freaked out. But listen, there's probably... liked their country before there's no way to assemble enough data to prove whether the following theory is true or not true but we are well there's 45 can you hit me with an age on berlusconi while joe's talking we're about 70 years best i think he's like early 80s he's pretty old yeah 81 a lot of work done huh according to michael birnbaum but how do you like this theory we're 70 years that right yeah 70 years Post WW2, the world was torn down, the the modern world, um, during World War II. And virtually nothing that was going on before that necessarily extended to post WW2. So that was kind of a restart for a lot of things. And we're 70 years down the road. And that seems to me, just just looking at it, that's about the time span it would take for a system to kind of coalesce, to go through its its rough periods, to actually become pretty damned effective, and then to start to get full of itself, and then there's so much money involved, the scammers move in, and now it's just rotten to the core. 70 years. That seems about right. You know what I'm, I'm driving at? you to try something different? And then, yeah, and then everybody's like, okay, no, no, no. This is, the, the, the inmates are running the prison, the, the thieves are running the bank we got to break this down well, again. And as we have been saying for a long I time... I doubt it'll be successful, by the way. The powerful don't give up their power that easily. But Well, it'll take a while. As we've been saying for a long time, this isn't a one election and everything is something new all of a sudden. We're going to go through a long process, I'm guessing. Multiple elections. Mm. Us in Great Britain and France and Italy and whoever else is trying in Germany trying to figure out what, what it's going to be from here on out. It, it, it's going to go on after Trump. I, as I say, I think Barack Obama was part of it, too. Let's try something new and different. What's, what could it hurt? Well, will the free people have the uh, 
attention span to stick uh, to stick with the effort to really make change. You'll have to ask we the millennials. Ha- we don't have time for that. We need to talk about the Bachelor. You think you got proof he's a, a gay man, huh? Well, it's uh, the the the, the nine hour finale is tonight. Oh boy! And uh, there you know, was, I proposed to my wife in like ten minutes. They bleeped something out of the Bachelor the other night, and there's quite controversy as to what the bleeped word was. Ah. Referencing his D. Not demeanor? The, no. His privets. Can you, can you? His privets. Oh, my. Um, his his penis? <laughs> yes, Joe. Why are you saying it in that tone? I just, I just I'm, I'm, I'm surprised to hear you bring it up. <laughs> Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I sense that the gun conversation momentum is just about gone. Uh, I think there's a tiny little bit left, but not much. And by next week, it will be dead, the momentum, if you'll pardon the expression. Um, and, huh. and nothing will have happened. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of um, you know feeling like we better act. The public's all worked up about this. I think it's gone. It's you amazing. Nothing, nothing, no hardening of schools, no. Well, individual schools can do that, which is kind of what I would like to have happen anyway. I don't know that we need a federal law to... Decide that. Turns Amen, out, brother. Turns out there are a bunch of schools across the country where there are teachers or whoever with guns. Been right. doing it for a long time because you're. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but your local school can make a lot of decisions. Your local state, your local county can make lots of decisions. Sure. Um, you don't have to have the federal government mandate various things to do things, but. And you can try stuff, or I'll get together in groups where they're small enough you can actually talk to each other and look each other in the eye and come up with what you think is a good decision. But in terms of federal legislation, I. Doesn't it feel pretty over to you? Yes. Yeah, I absolutely see what you're saying. Yeah. I I have to even admit that it's like that. It's amazing how quickly it comes and goes. Everybody talks about the Super Bowl for about three days. And then you don't bring up the Super Bowl because it'd be weird. I hate to admit that it's like that, but it is. And early last week when, when everybody was saying, including me, this time feels different. There hasn't been this kind of movement on the gun issue in anybody's lifetime. And it kind of petered out for whatever reason. Trump had that big meeting. Maybe he knew that would let the air out of the balloon, letting everybody talk and throwing out a bunch of different ideas. I don't know. I don't think that was deliberate. I don't know. I don't think so either. But for whatever reason, the air got let out of the balloon. That's wild. And that's just kind of gone. You got the uh, kids from Florida still marching around and sure. oh, demonstrating yeah, and the rest of it. Th- th- it's not going to go away in their minds. Right. Ever in their lives. Nor should it. Um, But in terms of like politicians being under great pressure to do mm-hmm. something, I doubt they're feeling that today. As long as we're talking about school shootings and, uh, you know, I don't want to take the whole segment on this, but uh, I-, I read two profiles. I'm pretty sure one was in the New York Times. I don't remember specifically, but... Long profile of this uh, dude. He was a school shooter in Kentucky, I think. 
He, you may recall this one. He killed his dad. And then he went to an elementary school nearby, and he ended up shooting uh, one kid before he was uh, a, a, a little boy, six-year-old boy. Utterly horrifying. Before his, his gun, his dad's gun, jammed several times, and somebody was able to wrestle him to the ground. And this kid is utterly unrepentant. Smiles and laughs when he talks about it. His only regret is that he didn't find his dad's shotgun. How old is he? He was like 14 or 15. They're trying him as an adult. Um, that was the update to the story. But he, uh, his only regret is that he really wanted to kill a lot of people. And, um, you know, he couldn't find his dad's shotgun before he killed him, so he just used the pistol, blah, blah, blah. And then the Washington Post has, of all things, a similar profile. Of this guy who in 04 tried to do something similar in Albany, New York with a shotgun and the long black leather coat because these guys always obsess over the Columbine guys. There is an absolute fanboy cult of admiration well, among troubled young men. That was the media's greatest moment in terms of making uh, folk heroes out of people. Right. Turning them into Billy the Kid or something. And they were successful in it, too. Oh, yeah. Because all these kids are obsessed with it. There are news groups, you know, chat groups, whatever, where they all talk about it. Um, so this other guy, uh, he picked up a brand-new Winchester 12-gauge pump-action shotgun, stepped into the hallway, fired two blasts. Um, which wounded a teacher and a, a student before assistant principal John Sawchuck tackled the six foot two, two hundred and thirty pound teenager. Ooh, that's a big kid. The two struggled, et cetera. A shot went off, hurt a teacher. Um, no one, no one was killed. Now this uh, young man, who's been in prison for some time, he got twenty years or something like that. He says John Sawchuck is a hero who I owe my life to. I know that every time another horrible shooting happens, he and all of my victims are hurt all over again by what I did to them. I want to take away their pain, but knowing I cannot, I want to prevent others from experiencing that pain. So this kid is fully, fully, uh, you know, has, uh, what do you call it, remorse. He's fully remorseful. He understands what he did. He's horrified by it, disgusted, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, and there's actually more to his story I want to share with you, but what conclusion do you draw that you have these two young men with such wildly different psyches as it turns out. I don't know. Do this sort of thing. The the kid down in Florida, within an hour of killing 17 of his classmates, he said to a, the woman who was taking care of him, I'm sorry, I'm just so sorry. He felt bad. Right. Right. Right after it was over. So, number one, your point about the media is absolutely true, and that factors into this. But they asked Tom Junot, who's a... Uh, or is it Juno? I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's a he's a journalist. Um, and he was talking to the would-be shooter. He said, what did I want? I wanted release. It's not a desire for death. It's a desire for escape, transport and escape. You've run out of options, and so you think of changing your life in the craziest way possible, something where you won't be able to go back. It's almost a cure for who you are. You know, maybe if this happened, I'd feel calm. I'd feel the way they do. I'd feel peace. Um. So it's about, and I think this is worth understanding, and this is true for both the psycho kid with no regrets and this kid. It's it's redemption, it's transcendence, it's being somebody that I think we used to get from religion and and 
you know, team sports or parents or, or the Boy Scouts or what have you. Um, but the guy just spells it out. I wanted to be someone different. I wanted to have a different life. I wanted to change everything. And you add that to now, since we cover this stuff so extensively and make heroes out of the shooters to sell more commercials on the TV, that is a, a readily available and much discussed option for changing your life. And so they go for it. That's interesting. In now, the, how do you uh, deal with that? I know in the in the rehab world, in the stopping drinking or drugs uh, world, they they call that a geographic. This idea that, and sometimes it's a person or a job. If I marry that person, if I move there, if I take a new job, it just everything will be better. Mm-hmm. And you know, and people do a number of those things, and they realize at some point. Every time I move somewhere, there I am. It's still me. Right. You know, I get a new... I wonder if that's what happens to these 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 kids. That, that my whole life will be different, and then you do it and you realize I'm still miserable. I'm still me, and now I've done something horrible. 100%. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. You'd sure like to get to them and get that message to them before they kill anybody. Afterwards, you're going to be the same person. Just as miserable. Yeah, I know of a, one of my favorite musicians... He left the music business for like 15 years because he thought becoming a a star would change change everything that he didn't like about his life, and he realized it didn't. So he said, to hell with that. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, the White House hosting a Middle East sit-down this morning, and why Amazon might be sending you a picture of your front door. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. As a threat? I'll send best Jeff Bezos a picture of his grandmother. I like that, Bezos. This is the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, boy, I'd say a counterbalance to school shootings talk would be the update on the Bachelor finale, which is tonight. As there's quite a controversy headed into the finale tonight. As I've been saying since episode one, my wife watches the show and shows me some highlights. I think the dude is uh, not interested in ladies. Mm. You mean he's already attached? or So more on that in a little bit. Uh, news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump is hosting Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the White House this morning. They just did a photo op. No questions, no comments. Just thank you very much into the White House. Both men are distracted right now by legal investigations. The man that Trump saw is his Mideast peace negotiator. His son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has lost his security clearance, and his business dealings are under scrutiny as special counsel Robert Mueller moves ahead with the Russia probe. You know, Mueller's, he's going after some businessman who's a big deal in the UAE and the Middle East. He's trying to broker peace in Syria. And they're trying to figure out, all right, did uh, Trump uh, get anything from the shakes over there in the UAE? Anything funky going on? So, essentially, they've enlarged the investigation to find anything untoward in yep. any area, yep. which is an interesting way to run a country slash presidency. Uh, it's and listen, if there's wrongdoing or bribery or, or some sort of uh, a terrible collusion going on, I suppose we want to we want to know about it. But at the same time, having a special prosecutor just constantly scrutinizing yeah. the White House just because they can. It's an odd way to run a country. Meanwhile, Netanyahu is at the center of another ongoing corruption case of his own. Both men, again, and their wives did the quick photo op. They should have some comments a little later on today. So, um, I saw Lindsey Graham ask yesterday about the Middle East peace process. A hilarious phrase, in my opinion. 
and Lindsey Graham said, regarding Kushner, Netanyahu, right, and all that right. sort of stuff, he said, I don't want to hear anything about the Middle East peace process. Israel and Iran are about to go to war. That's what we need to be talking about. Wow. As opposed to Israelis and the Palestinians and the settlements. No, seriously? Israel and Iran go to war. None of that's going right. to be uh, you know, on the table for a while. All right, my friends, brace yourselves. The 2018 election cycle kicks off officially this week when no, Texas... No, no, it doesn't. No. When Texas holds the nation's first primary tomorrow. Oh. Democrats looking to the deep red Lone Star State as a sign of growing enthusiasm within their own party. They've got high hopes. Right. So anyway, it's going to be kick, oh, kicking off tomorrow. I don't want to hear about it. Good luck. Turns out Amazon might soon send you a photo of your own front door. Amazon is pretty going nice to be... store you got there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. <laughs> oh boy! You want to sign up for Prime or not? Oh boy! <laughs> no, no, no! It's not that threatening. Amazon's taking the extra step to let you know your package has been delivered. Huh. The retailer recently expanding a program called Amazon ah, and Logistics cover, and covering their own hiney for porch pirates. See, yes. here's a picture of the package in front of your door. Yes. Right. We yes. delivered it. Until they send their own porch pirates to steal the packages, <laughs> and they win every single way. Arr. <laughs> anyway, Amazon will uh, take a picture of uh, the package delivered on the uh, front porch there, and then they'll forward that picture to you on your smartphone. And I'll take a picture of my package and send it right back to you. How do you like that, huh? How do you like being a little over that? Oh, boy. Oh, God. Ah, uh, yes. All right. Hollywood's, <laughs> Hollywood's other award shows. The Razzies were handed out over the weekend, and the big oh, yeah. winner, the Emoji Movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. God dang it. Last sleepover, among the same group yes. of friends not at my house, they watched the Emoji Movie, and the kids didn't like it, the adults didn't like it, nobody liked it. Yeah. It's supposed to be just horrible. Yeah, I hear it's awful. Yeah, the animated feature landed Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and uh, Screen Combo. The they must not ceremony. have tried very hard, because you'd think if you had anybody with any talent at all, you could make something at least semi-amusing out of all those emojis, wouldn't you? Hey, you would have to actually try to make something amusing, I think, as opposed to just try to make a cash grab. Um, but I, I like the, the anecdote that Jordan Peele was yeah. offered the role of the, the, the feces emoji in the emoji movie. Too. And that's he says that he credits that offer with him quitting acting. And saying, okay, well, I'm just going to go make my own stuff now. And then he made Get Out, which wow. uh, he won Best Original Screenplay. Nice. Wow. So there you go. The Razzies over the weekend. I have one other note because this is somebody I ran into a number of times in the Oregon coast. And he's passed away. The guy who played Major Charles Emerson Winchester III oh. on MASH. You used to run into Winchester? Yeah. On the coast? David Ogden Stiers. He passed away at his home in Newport, Oregon. Uh, but uh, I had a house in Yahats, Oregon, which is like kind of ten miles away from Newport, twelve miles away, and uh, Styers would uh, pop up at you know the market and various restaurants, and he uh, actually uh, was very very much into classical music and conducted the as sym- he was on the show. That's yep. interesting. Uh, and he he conducted the symphony in Eugene a couple of times. Uh, poor so, man's trapper, as far as I'm concerned. So oh. you uh, so did you hang with him or just exchange pleasantries? Exchange pleasantries, yeah. yeah. And he would uh, he would let us know. And on next time he's going to conduct a symphony in Eugene, and I uh, went to see one of the performances. It was really very good. You know, yeah, it's classical is, music. Mm-hmm. This is a TV show that went off the air thirty-five years ago, so. uh, but it uh, remains a classic. Indeed, yeah. never yeah. saw we'll the finale. Did you, Jack? What's syndication? That? Never saw the finale. No, I never saw the mash finale. Really? Yep. Wow. Our uh, musical teacher wouldn't let us out of practice. What a jerk! Yeah, that is. <laughs> looking back on it, just a moronic. This is pre-DVR, so that we just didn't get to see it. 
And it was a show everybody watched. Sure. Yeah, you couldn't just cancel practice one night and have, you know, an extra long practice the next night or whatever. That's, that's the way a lot of school administrators look at the world. You're either, you either care about this right. production of Oklahoma in this town of 4,000 people, or you don't. And we're going to find out who really cares tomorrow night. <laughs> Jeez. Hawkeye went over to the North Korean side and shot Colonel Potter. Wow. Sorry, spoiler alert. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Time to squeeze the eagle. There you go. That sound is freedom. Yes. Pierce, honeycut. Um, So, uh, yeah. So as we head on to final thoughts with the petering out, the controversy that surrounds the hit TV show The Bachelor. Coming up in a minute. As we found out, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette have the highest income among their viewers of any TV shows, hit TV shows on television. Still not sure what to think of that. I don't know what to think of that either. More affluent people watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette for some reason. You're listening to The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Midnight, midnight. Wow, I I re-looked this up just to confirm it before I started talking about The Bachelor. I got to admit, I, I feel guilty whenever I talk about it. Mm, I feel you should. I feel people yelling at me on the radio. I feel, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, my wife watches The Bachelor. How long has The Bachelor been on television? 16 years. Oh, started, an institution? Started in 2002. It is. It made ABC $200 million last year. $200 wow. million for the TV wow. show. Wow. Between wow. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and Bachelor Paradise or something, they've got three iterations of it that they air every year. And it makes them about $200 million. And I reconfirmed, yes, The Bachelor is the top-rated show for a number of viewers that make over a household, households that make over $150,000 a year. So high-income homes, they call them. Wow. Um, Bachelor just kills it. So does Shark Tank, 60 Minutes. Well, those I get. Yeah, me too. That's a smart people show right there. Uh, Shark honey, Tank, so, Entrepreneurs. Right. 60 Minutes, Hard News. Honey, I'm tired of all the entrepreneurial ship and hard news. Let's watch Skanks vie for the hand of an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) One of the reasons The Bachelor makes a lot of money, they charge your advertisers a lot. It has a good audience. They charge your advertisers a lot because it's sort of TiVo-proof, which practically nothing is in the modern world. Because women and men, mostly women, but in men also, they talk about it at work the next day, or you come across it in social media and it gets ruined for you. Mm -hmm. So I know my wife feels like she's got to watch it. That night, wow! Um, yeah, to to avoid you know the revelations coming out before you get around to watch. That, that is the most valuable thing amongst TV executives right now. Things that people must watch when broadcast. Oh, I'd imagine that's that's gold. And so the season finale tonight, which I think is three hours long, of the ba- this season's The Bachelor, starring Ari, the race car driver, as the Bachelor that all the hot women have been trying to uh, get him to uh, to to propose to him because that's how the the show ends at the mm-hmm. end he's got it down to two women and tonight he's going to give a rose to one of them and ask her to marry him which seems stupid sure seems incredibly stupid 
Well, a couple of weeks well, ago. Well, seldom do, right? Get married? Uh, sometimes Some of them uh, have gotten married and been married for years now. And I wish them happy. Uh, it happens sometimes. Sometimes uh-huh. they get married and get divorced. <clears throat> sometimes they split up before they get married. Yeah. But, um, and, and from the beginning of this season, the first time I watched the show, I said, that guy's awful effeminate. Is he straight? <laughs> he just seems like a gay guy. He's really concerned about his, he's very metrosexual, very... Uh, concerned about his clothes and his hair and, and, and stuff like that. And he's just got a, a very, he's got a very now, feminine demeanor. I'm going to get dragged into a meeting. He just does. All right. And so, uh, am I going to have time for this, Michael? I don't want to run out of time because I got to make sure I get this on. How fast do I need to do Three minutes. Three minutes, I can do it. Okay, so they had an episode last week where they do the behind the scenes footage or whatever. And so this one chick, Crystal, who uh, I'm glad he booted her off. She was a crazy person. Very attractive, but a crazy person. A San Diego uh, fitness coach. Ah. She gets all mad, as she would do every time she got drunk up, and she took off her microphone and went into a room to make a phone call. Well, they followed, they had microphones in the room or something. Anyway, they got to listen in on their phone call. Is all this real or completely fake? I have no idea. Mm. But she was on the phone with her mom, and it sounded a little bit like this. Did you mention my life is amazing, awesome? That's all in What? There you go. It's hard to hear. Yes. And 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 so my wife was watching and she just told me about this the other day and they and they bleeped it out and then they put words underneath there. And or or letters because they didn't want to put the words up either. And what she says is or what everybody thought she said, I have an amazing life. Why am I doing this? Why did I put my amazing life on hold? On hold for what? Some no D. I'm sorry. I date men, not little fancy pants. Oh, so she says, no, Richard, why am I putting my whole life on hold to to date this no Richard fancy pants, which kind of would lead you to believe that maybe she thinks the way I thought he's. (laughs) It's an interesting way to characterize a homosexual man, but fancy pants is hinting. Yeah. 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 Well, so since then, the bachelor has come out and said, that is not what she said. Richardless fancy pants. That was going all over the place. She didn't say no D. Okay. She said needle D. Oh boy. Should just and needle D fancy <laughs> pants. <laughs> and, Ouch. That's a little hurtful. And I wonder if she actually did say no D fancy pants. Um Although needle D is a thing. I don't... Right, but that wouldn't lead you to believe that maybe she thinks he's gay. Like the other, well, gay men just have you that, them. I'm just telling you, that's the social media reaction. Yeah, okay. Was her right. saying a no D fancy pants means she thinks he's gay, like a lot of the viewers do. Ah, and 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 what's going on there? And needle D is not nearly as compelling evidence of that. Is right. that what it's social just, media is just saying? Just to comment on the size of his unit, okay, which got gotcha. to the Have you seen it? Because you're not actually supposed to do that. I, uh, <laughs> I'm perplexed by all of this. <laughs> anyway, so she's making the rounds, telling everybody who'll listen on all these shows. No, I actually said needle D. Well, you may remember that uh, Andrew Jackson referred to James Buchanan and his live-in roommate as uh, Aunt Nancy and Queen Fancy, or right? Yeah, yeah, something exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's fancy pants. I date men, not blank blank fancy pants. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And she she goes on to say, why are all these women acting like they're so gaga over this fancy pants? Because there's cameras on. Right. And then my wife said she gets out of that room, walks back out there, and then stares into his eyes and talks about how in love she is with him. Oh, boy. That's, that's the way that whole thing works. But Boy, I hope they can fit all the action into just three hours. Sure. <laughs> yeah, <no kidding. laughs> on the finale.
And now, final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Hey, He's going to give a rose to one of these gentlemen. Everybody, welcome. Whoever gives the shortest final thoughts gets a jet ski. <laughs> Positive, Sean, your final thought? I finally did it. I cut the cord. I'm no longer becabled in my uh, my own apartment. I will have updates as I figure out what I miss, what I don't miss. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I, I only have the internet connection. I no longer yeah. have cable being uh, sent to my place. Let us know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Good luck, my boy. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, I laughed and cried last night watching the Oscars. Certainly will cry with tissues tonight watching the Bachelor finale. <laughs> Guys, tomorrow you're going to have one emotionally drained board op. You have been warned. Wow. Wow. Fair enough. If only, uh, you know, my wife was so forthcoming. Uh, Marshall, your final thought. I'll tell you all this talk about The Bachelor. What What is the age limit uh, for The uh, Bachelor? The, the, for the guy? Yeah. I don't know. He's on the older end. He's, he's in his 40s, ah, I think. Ah, so there is hope. Perhaps a worldly, kindly older gentleman <laughs> exactly. might throw his rose into the uh, radio news bachelor. <laughs> Why not? Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Oh, what a fabulous weekend with the sleepover for my son and his birthday. And I just, you know, it was draining. God, it was so exhausting. But um, there aren't going to be many of these, and it'll all be over. I'm just fully aware of that. Well, that's a beautiful and heartwarming note to end the show on. Unfortunately, the show has not ended. (laughs) My final thought, as I expressed in a tweet last night, is I couldn't even be really funny tweeting about the Oscars because I just don't care anymore. I don't even care enough to hate them. They just make my ass tired. So, eh, at least it's over for a year. So, preliminary ratings you had for us earlier, Marshall, was down 16% from yep. last year. From last year. Grr. Yeah. Well, we are going to see it become like Miss America. That might be a good uh, example. Yeah, really good example. Sort of thing that everybody watched and talked about. I did in school as a kid and didn't care. And you would watch it and talk about it. Now it's on some cable news channel somewhere, and you never even know what happens. Well, I think it's that they're so damn smug and self-satisfied, and you got two kinds of movies. Art films and movies for China. So nobody cares. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour work. So many people who think so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can drop us a line. Tell us what you think. If there's something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Y'all do a great job of keeping your eyes out. I just hope he picks the pretty emotional one. (laughs) I get it. Uh, We will see tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act. Uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here! Get! Get! And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. It's the only Chardonnay that pairs great with a sausage biscuit. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.